Welcome back to Last of Ten Podcast. I'm Bonnie. I'm Dustin. And this is our part two of A Tale of Two Missions with um, our husbands, Corey and Max. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So if you listen to part one, we ended um, right at the end of Corey's mission. He was um, starting to wrestle with the kidney stone that would eventually uh, bring him home a bit early from his mission. And if I remember right, um, you had already gone in for some some help. They did an ultrasound, couldn't find, they said they couldn't find the stone. They sent you home with some medicine to open your tubes to hopefully help you pass it. And then later that night, around 3 a.m., you woke up um, just in a ton of pain and a lot more blood uh, coming out. So I think that's where we ended off. So do you want to pick it up right there? Yeah. Um, so it was 3 a.m. I remember just sitting straight up and went into the bathroom, and it was worse pain than what happened earlier. And I thought, well, something's definitely wrong, especially because, as gross as it is, when you go in there to pee because you feel like you have to, mm-hmm. it's like straight blood. And, I, and and this was not like watered down, you know, like it was like blood blood. And I was like, well, something's definitely wrong. So I woke up my companion, who tried to say, no, we're not in the time that we can be outside. I'm not going anywhere. And it was me having to have the talk with him like, well, you're either coming with me or I'm walking down the street by myself. You figure it out. Like no sense of a medical emergency. Yeah. And uh, and so he reluctantly comes with me. And we had to walk roughly two miles, I think, two and a half miles to the to the hospital and they did another ultrasound couldn't find anything but they had the sample there they saw that there was blood you know and so they tried to send me home again and uh and i may have even gone in for a third one i'm not totally sure i can't exactly remember but uh i remember at one point i finally said i i've had enough of this i'm not and like now this is days with this issue so what interaction are you having with the mission president or his wife at this point as you're trying to get well he he tried to send me back to that one other hospital that i just went to i said they're not going to find it because they they have an ultrasound but they're they're just saying that they can't see anything and so they're saying that there might be too much much uh liquid in there for them to be able to get any kind of a picture and at the time when i went on my mission uh, South America didn't really have any, um, we'll call them like American, like quality hospitals. You know what I mean? They just didn't, they just weren't quite up to, you know, what was happening here in the States, but there was one that they built and I, and I had gone to that in the MTC and it was called Albert Einstein hospital. And here's the, here's the biggest joke of the whole thing was that, it was barely outside my area. It's not even like it was that far. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you sending me there? At least they have a CAT scan, you know, or whatever you call that. They can they can send me in there for that and have a better picture. Well, again, I call my mission president, and he's, 
he's trying to tell me that there's nothing wrong and that I should just get back to work. And I said, do you understand that there's blood coming out of me? Blood. Like... Have you ever had a kidney stone, bro? Well, like, yeah. And, and I just remember feeling absolutely astonished that he was pushing that hard for me to not go. And finally I said, I'm going to that hospital. And I said, and you're going to meet me there. And I, to- I remember talking to him just like that. I said, because you're going to hear it from some doctor. Because you, you sure as heck are not going to believe it from me. Mm-hmm. So you better be there at the hospital. I'm going now. So... It was, it was a, a pretty crappy bus ride, and then I think my companion actually got, we got off the bus at one point because it was bouncing too much and I was in a lot of pain. And then my companion called the mission president and said he can't even ride the bus, so he paid. The mission president paid for basically a taxi to come pick us up. And the guy in the taxi came and and got us and took me to the hospital. And just from my blood pressure alone, when they hooked that up to me, it was skyrocketing because I was just in a lot of pain. And the lady's like, oh, my gosh. And they threw me right on the pain meds. And to that point, that was the first relief that I had had in days. Wow. And uh, they, I think they, again, I think they went straight to morphine, which on my body usually works in, within seven minutes. And uh, they took me in for the CAT scan. And because of all the pain that I was in, when the morphine hit, I fell asleep, slept pretty good for a couple hours. And when I woke up, there were four doctors that came to talk to me. And they were like, hey, so you got a kidney stone? I said, well, yeah, I know. There's blood coming out down there, and I've felt this pain before. I know what's going on. And they're like, yeah, but have you have you played Mario? And they, I remember them asking me that. I was like, of course I played Mario. Like, I'm a kid from America. I've, I've played it. I've seen it. They're like, you know those balls with the spikes that come out? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, that's what it looks like. And I was like, okay. And not a little ball And, and they spikes, said, like, And then they're like, have you played marbles? And I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, you know how you have the little marbles? But then you have the big ones that do whatever? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, that's that big. And so my first uh, thought was, well, there's no hope of me peeing this thing out. And he goes, no. We, we have to go in after it. And they said that it was doing enough damage that like, they needed to get in there and get it out now. And I was like, okay. Well, the mission president was there at that point, and I could see them out there talking to him. And I remember hearing one of the doctors that spoke English, and uh, he was telling the mission president, he's like, no, we have to go in for this now. Like your mission president still trying I don't, I, to downplay? I don't, know. I don't know exactly what he was saying out there, but you would imagine with mm-hmm. having that kind of a conversation. Anyway, the doctor, I remember specifically hearing from the doctor, him to the mission president saying, I don't understand how this guy was able to walk in mm-hmm. because we saw the pain he was in. We saw the blood pressure. We saw all this stuff. I don't understand how he's even been living with this. We have to go in. So they came in and they talked to me about it. And there was four different doctors. One was watching one thing. One was watching another. One was there to knock me out and keep me, you know, in that mm-hmm. state, whatever. Well then, um, they can't. They ended up having to give me an epidural too. 
like what mm-hmm. women would get for mm-hmm. pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember them shooting me right in the spine, that or whatever <laughs> they do. That hurt. That mm-hmm. bit me pretty good. And then after they gave me that, I remember them laying me back, and the doctor leans over, and he's like, you'll be out in three, two. I was gone. Mm-hmm. And, and my last thought I remember was, at least they're going to go get it, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe I'll be okay. Because I, I would have finished. Mm-hmm. I really would have, but... I just was so tired at that point. Well, anyway, I'm out for however long. Then I wake up. It's nighttime. My companion's sitting over to the side of me. And I just remember seeing him. And I was like, hey. I was like, did they get it? And he, this is like the first emotion I really got out of him. Because he was always reluctant to walk anywhere, like to the hospital or Mm -hmm. even believe something was going on. But I remember he looked a little sad. And he's like, dude, they didn't get it. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, they said that they went in, but they couldn't find it because there was too much blood mm. and too much urine. They couldn't see clear enough to be able to do anything. So then the doctors came in, and I have to hand it to them because, I, I mean, I really believe they tried because they looked just like so sad. They yeah. looked so sad that they didn't get it. Mm. And... uh and so then they came in and they talked about they talked to me about what they did do. <coughs> and they um, they hooked up what they call a stint, and a stint is a tube that basically goes from your kidney to your bladder, and it is there to just release extra pressure. Just it's it's gonna you're gonna have the normal way that the the blood goes from the kidney to the bladder and gets expelled that way, but they were basically giving it like a, a different route to, like to have two cut. different routes to, to get it to move. And it was moving, but like I don't recall it ever really giving me any kind of relief. You know, it just was there to to not have so much buildup of, of blood and urine. And so anyway, they didn't get it. I was sent back to the house. They so said they, So they go in for it. They know what's there. They know the pain uh-huh. you're going to be in when those pain meds wear off. Uh-huh. And they sent you back home? Yeah, well, they sent me back to the the place where I was living. Like, sorry, uh-huh. we, we couldn't get it. Peace yeah. out. Good yeah. luck. Well, they were like, well, you got you to gotta get rid of the blood in the urine that's in there because that's what's preventing us from seeing it before we do anything else. Uh-huh. And uh, I should mention at the... They at the hospital they had to go through the front door, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So they had tubes up there, and the dude had to pull that out. And for some reason they didn't pull it out while I was like knocked out. I don't know if they could have <laughs> even done that, but they had to do it while I was awake. Oh my gosh! And so the dude comes, the the nurse guy comes in to pull that out, and I don't know anybody that's ever had that done. Mm. It will immediately push you to like a a 14 or a 15 on the pain scale and he starts pulling on it and it's not coming out easy and so he starts going like this he just starts doing little jerky movements and i remember and this is the first time i ever did this to anybody i reached over as a missionary and i grabbed his shirt and i pulled him in close and i said you tug on that again i'm gonna hit you And uh, he's like, well, I got to get it out. I was like, so what you're going to do is I'm going to grab like this on the side of the bed. 
you're going to grab here and you're going to start pulling, not tugging. You're going to pull and you're going to go until it comes out, no matter what sound I make. And he goes, okay. So he starts going and oh, it was terrible. It was absolutely horrible. And then he gets it out, burns like no other. And then he says to me, you got to go to the bathroom. You have to go in there and you have to pee. And so I'm like, well, I'll do it. I got to do it. But that hurt worse than him pulling it out. Well, anyway, got past that part. They sent me back home and I couldn't walk anywhere. I couldn't go out anywhere because you constantly need a bathroom. You constantly, so much pain. And what they gave me, what they said was for pain found out later in the states that it was not for pain oh and gosh. some and they prescribed me something that was for a horse <laughs> and they could, and the doctor couldn't even tell me what it did it was weird he opened up this huge encycl- international encyclopedia for medicine or whatever looked up the different things he goes they told you this was for pain this is not pain this is not pain medications and i don't recall what he said they did all i remember is just he said this doesn't cover pain and this is something for a horse And I was like, whatever. I don't know what's going on here. So um, I get sent back. There's no pain meds, no nothing. And I'm just... You have the stint. So you're constantly going to the bathroom, peeing blood. And and we're pushing three days, maybe three and a half days. And all of a sudden, my my companion gets a, a call from the president. And he goes, hey, I need you guys to come into the mission office. He's the one with a car. Like, he, he can't, can't just, come to you? He just can't come have a nice little meeting with us there. You know what I mean? Wow. So then I ride the bus, which is oh our option. Oh, my gosh. And I'm bouncing around again. I'm hurting. And I look like death when I get there. And he goes, why didn't you get a cab? I would have paid for the cab. I said, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't get things unless I know Dick. it's covered. You know what I mean? So anyway, then we go in and we have our little meeting. And... and uh, of course, he starts everything with a prayer and blah, blah, mm. blah. And how are you doing? And and I didn't say much because I was I was upset. And and he goes, the whole time, he's like, I got to be honest. I was more concerned with the work. How do we get you back to work? And I said, well, that's nice that you're thinking of that. You're like, yeah, no shit. I, said, I and, caught and, that. And, in my, and I, I was like, you know what I was thinking? And that's what I said. <laughs> And he goes, I can imagine what you were thinking. I was like, I bet you could. Because I was upset with him. Because A, he didn't believe me that it happened. B, he almost did stuff to put it in the way of me getting help. Yeah, to like make your pain continue, make yeah. your yeah. condition continue unnecessarily. Yeah. So then he finally just goes... I haven't stopped to ask you what you want. Like, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? Like, what do you need? Like, I'm in a world of hurt. (laughs) And so I sat there, and no joke, for 20 minutes, I just cried. Mm. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say anything. I just sat there, and I cried. And it's like the first time tears had come. And, uh, And then after it went quiet, I said, what I want is to not have to have this surgery in Brazil because I think they might miss it again Mm -hmm. because of what I'm feeling down there. Like, 
I don't know that the stint is doing enough and I don't know that they have enough technology to get it and doing that crap all over again. I'm sorry to me, it would be too much. And he goes, and I said, I want to go home. And I said, at the same time, I'm, I'm within six weeks of going home after this next transfer. Anyway, I said, I think I can live without one transfer and I wouldn't need to waste money coming back because mm-hmm. that would just be a waste to come back for six weeks, mm-hmm. even though I love Brazil, right? So then he let me call my mom. And as soon as you hear your mom's voice, obviously mm-hmm. you break down, you, mm-hmm. you know, because at the time you just want mom, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I told her I was coming home. But the problem is, is that when we had the meeting, it was like a, it was like a Thursday and they weren't having transfers until Tuesday. Oh my god. And so I still had to go through all those days it's... while packing, while getting everything ready. In fact, and and I left some of my most prized possessions that I had over there. I actually left them in the house cuz I forgot to grab them because all I could think was get the bags loaded and get it out of here. You know what I mean? So somebody made off with some stuff that I really cared about, but anyway, um then you have to ride the buses. Oh my gosh. To get your stuff. He still to... didn't. No, no, it was all oh buses. Oh my gosh. This is after the doctor at the hospital said to him directly, I don't even know how he's standing. And he's still putting you on buses, sending you around public transportation while he has a car himself that he yeah. could or, give you direct. Or could just send a taxi and say, hey, throw his luggage in there and get him here. Rather than have him ride a bus. Well, anyway, so I ride the bus. And again, I'm not on pain meds. So I have to constantly take breaks while they're having the meeting. And then um, that my companion leaves with his new companion. And I'm there with the people who are going home, the group that's going home. And one of the missionaries that was going home was an assistant to the president of our mission and his dad was a pilot for Delta and he was going to fly the plane from Brazil back into the, the his US. His dad came yeah. to fly. So it was an American pilot flying back mm-hmm. and it was uh and that plays in a little bit later nothing crazy but anyway so then it was all day we had to have a final lunch with the mission president and his wife which to me, I just wanted to go relax. Well, every minute that you're in, and this is just from my level of pain with a kidney stone, which is a hundred times less intense than what you were going through. But every single minute when you're in that level of pain, it might as well be an eternity. Mm-hmm. So to like piddle around with all of, sorry, I'm, yeah, it's frustrating to me because it's so neglectful. From my, you know, sorry, my opinion. It's so neglectful to piddle around with these buses, with these, you know, unnecessary little powwows and interviews and luncheons. Like, get me the F to an airport and get me to America where I can finally get, like, you know, help. Finally get Mm -hmm. an American hospital and doctors that can get in there and freaking get this out of me and get me out of pain finally. Like... These, this is days and days and nights and nights of, you know, messing around with en- without any real relief or resolution and having the people that 
you trust, that your family trusts these leaders, like almost standing in the way and exasperating the pain and the problem and the timeline than just like, you know what I mean? Putting you first and getting you the damn help that you need. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm having to go through those meetings and the luncheon and then there's an exit interview where he probably wasn't super happy with a lot of stuff that I said because I called him out on a lot of it and I was emotionally like just tired. So, I mean, you know, it's almost like getting hangry. So you're not controlling yourself as much as you normally would. So I call him out on all kinds of stuff and then, then it's, uh, it's time to go to the airport. So they, they had some, uh, taxis or maybe it was someone with the church. I don't know. They had bigger vehicles that we put all of our stuff in. Cause I remember there was like five or six of us going home and I was just supposed to stay with all the whole group. Cause at that point we're all each other's companion and we're just going home, you know? So we get to the hospital, and I remember, uh, not hospital, the airport, and I remember just having to sit there in line for a long yeah. time, and I couldn't stand up, but I was like, nothing's getting me out of this line because I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And I sat on my luggage and just sat there and sat there and sat there. Finally, we get through, send off the luggage, we get over to where we're supposed to get on board, and I just, I honestly don't remember much after that because the pain started to kick back in high gear all over again. But I was like, I'm this close to getting home. I'm not going to show anything. I'll just deal with it the whole plane ride home, which again is nine hours to, to not be able to move anywhere, right? So then um, this is where the pilot came in and it's the father of one of the missionaries that I was with. And he comes back and walks all the way back to talk to me. And it just, it put a spotlight on me. And I don't know that I just really liked that because I was like, mm, here's, the, here's the pilot talking to me, you know. And he talked in English. So a lot of people, I'm sure, didn't understand it. But he was like, how are you doing? And I, I gave him the answer that I thought he wanted to hear because, again, I didn't want him to be like, I can't take this person up in the air because medically he could have some kind of an issue you know and I was like nothing's gonna stop me from getting home not doing it so I was like I'm hurting but I'm I'm ready to go let's go and he goes what do you need and I said I need water I know that and he looked at the stewardesses and he's like whatever he needs you don't argue you just give him whatever he needs and and all I asked for was water and they tried to give me a little bottle like this big and I'm like "Mm mm-mm and I pointed at the big one that they had and they gave me that and I said that's mine and I just kept it with me the whole time and it was that was a long nine hours and I get home we flew into Atlanta and then that was a long plane ride too and that one was like I want to say like a three-hour plane ride Mm -hmm. to get back home but I started to notice stuff in Salt Lake that I was familiar with and could realize that I was actually home and I got there, got off the plane and you know, a lot of the other missionaries that didn't have medical issues, they're walking out of there and they're all happy and excited. And I feel like I'm just like hobbling down the, down the, down the little aisle way. And 
I remember hitting the escalator and my thought was like, hey, there's my family. Check it out. And I'm coming down and you could see in my skin I was pale. Mm. I was tired, like bloodshot eyes, everything. I had lost weight. I had I couldn't keep anything down. I was just, I was exhausted. And uh, my dad hugged me and I remember the minute my dad hugged me, I lost it. And he started to pull away because he's not a real touchy-feely guy anyway but I remember just my arm was around him and he always wore suspenders and so I gripped the back of his suspenders and I was like yeah don't go anywhere Mm. and I just bawled into his shirt and after about four or five minutes of that he said here's your mother and I was like oh here we go again here (laughs) because this is going to be a bigger crying session and I did that to my mom and then Obviously, I mean, it's like, it's always the question you ask, like, how are you? And they ask it, mm. and I'm like, how do you think I am? Like, I'm dying Get here. Get me help right now. So we left Salt Lake International, drove up I-80, got on 215 North, and went right to Davis Hospital. And they got me in there. I gave them a sample of the wonderful liquid blood. coming out of me. And it was thick blood. Mm. And I remember the girl getting that sample and she looked at it like this and she took it right back to the doctor and said this is what's coming out of that guy and he's like let's get him in there for a consult and then let's get him in there for a cat scan and then let's figure out what's going on and they finally sent me home with some real pain meds Mm -hmm. which i can't keep down because i throw them up i'm i'm sensitive to them so they got me some really strong ibuprofen which helped and they scheduled um, the surgery for like, it was either two or three days later. And uh, at which time after I got the surgery done, I was home for maybe one day. And then my brother was getting married, which they didn't mm. even tell me about. <laughs> and wow. all of a sudden I'm at a wedding and I'm... Before the surgery. No, no, after the surgery. Oh, after the surgery. But I was still on pain meds, oh. so I was all kinds of loopy, and I'm just there like, hey. Well, and they didn't They didn't just take it out. Like, they had to, like, blast it. Not blast it. They, then... they had to go in, they sent a bunch of tubes up, and they cut it apart with lasers, and then there was some kind of little hooked mechanism or whatever that they could just latch onto it. And pull it out. And they took it out piece by piece by piece by piece. Obviously, I didn't keep any of that. Didn't want any of it. (laughs) Get it away from me. But then I had minimal um, kidney stones after that. Knock on wood. Yeah. But like, uh, I had one major one that I, uh, once we were married. Mm Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. And then ever since then, I I try to drink way more water and be way more on top of stuff. And uh, and it works. But that one, that was uh, between my toenails and my freaking uh, kidney stones. Mm. Yeah, I definitely didn't get the care that I needed on the mission. And it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, there's this... Uh there's this sense that you, like you're exercising this level of faith that you're on the Lord's errand, you're in the Lord's hands. I think that's 
what I imagine the driving force uh, for parents is that, you know, it, it's not that I'm putting my child in the hands of these leaders that are mortal men and can make mistakes and do make mistakes. It's that I'm putting my child in the hands of the Lord um, and, you know, that's who's ultimately watching over them, protecting them. Um, so I'm just curious, like, did you, did you feel that yourself that, um, in those moments of, you know, intense pain and, um, struggle to get help that like the Lord's got me, you know, I I mean, what was your, what was your, I guess, mindset around that? I didn't, mm, no, I struggled afterwards. I didn't. Because cause you try to pray out there, you try to do what you're supposed to. And, like, I really did try. I mean, again, I'm not perfect, but I did try to be a good missionary and whatever and a, and a good member of the church. But I didn't. I personally didn't feel like my prayers did too much. And, and I felt alone through a lot of it. So I think that affected me a lot because it almost kind of gave me a feeling of, like, well... Maybe he cares for me, but not not as much as some other people or whatever, you know, and it mm-hmm. kind of messes with you a little bit. So, no, I definitely struggled with that. And uh, church was never quite the same for me after the mission. It was, it got pretty bad at times. And, uh, and would I ever do it again? Honestly, no. Would I... Would I ever trust my son to mm-hmm. to be put in someone else's hands like I was? You would like to think that you would trust the Lord enough to do it, but I would not. I would not put him in in yeah. hands like where where I was at because you have almost no contact with your parents realistically. Um, I didn't. I didn't even have my passport or visa. They kept that in yeah, the office. I was so ask like, about that. so I even if I wanted to leave Brazil to go home, I mm. couldn't go. They had so there's all my just gate, gatekeepers. I guess <coughs> I'm being a little um, facetious using that term, but but essentially there's gatekeepers at every turn. There's gatekeepers yeah. getting you to your passport. Gatekeepers, in- but they'll but they'll say that they were holding on to them so that you don't lose them. Which to a point I understand. I get that because yeah, you could it be. was nice to not have to be like, well, I got to find some way to guard these documents because I have them in the house and if we get broken jumped in or, or jumped or yeah. whatever, they have them. But it's not like I had access to them where, let's say I call my parents and I say, it's, it's pretty bad, I need to come home and they don't want to send me home, but I just got to come home. It's not like they could have just bought me a ticket, set up everything ready to go, and I could have just grabbed my passport and visa and gone. Mm-hmm. I had I had to go through all of their steps to get home. And I had to go through, like you said, their gatekeepers to get home. Mm-hmm. And so that's that would I ever put my son into that situation? Honestly, no, because again, I still believe in, in Christ, like I said, I really do. And I, and I, I feel like I trust him, but it's not exactly him that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. It's another human being who's in charge of that mission or that area. Mm -hmm. And are they treating him with 
the level of care and respect that you would expect? Or are they doing what they think is best? Yeah, and are they exercising that authority righteously or whatever? I mean, I could imagine there's people maybe uh, listening that would think, well, you just had a bad experience and now you're potentially going to keep your son from, you know, maybe one of the, what, like they say, the best two years of your life or potentially his life because of your bad experience. So what would be your response to that? Um, maybe, maybe they'll look at it like that, but, um, it's, it's all the same kind of thing. You didn't go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. You didn't experience what I experienced. And there may be somebody that's out there that went through a kidney stone where it goes, "Mm, it really wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Well, again, at that point, you wish that you could just take the what you were feeling and transfer that into somebody and say experience that for a minute so you can understand that obviously will never happen but but uh if if my son ever got to where he wanted to go and was dead set on it i would full well make him understand what i went through what it was like for me and some of the obstacles and hurdles that he would go through. But then personally, I would not send him without a way to get a hold of me. Like without direct access, yeah, without like, going through a bunch of... Yeah, without going through all of them. Leaders. Or leader. having a way for me to get to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of a thing. I mean, that's like the mama bear in me, I guess. And you and I have had this, these conversations, but... Um, just that, you know, I guess when that mama bear comes out, it's no, nobody standing between me and my kid when my kid needs me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess you can translate that into a lack of faith or whatever you want, but that's also like, you know, my kid and my protective, um, yep. And, and I'm sorry. I think that my mission president can be a wonderful guy. I do, but. With me, he he didn't do what he was supposed to, and it got bad. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a level of neglect that happened, mm-hmm. and uh, things could have been even worse than what they were. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, crazy. Do you guys have any follow up questions for Corey with his? experience and we can get to max no no questions <laughs> I, I think i'm questions. afraid to ask something and then <laughs> just say it max <laughs> no no questions i think would you like to maybe um well you're planning in the future maybe going to brazil and mm-hmm. um Hopefully, no, for sure, not having like no, a bad no. experience. <laughs> I don't think I'd be there long enough to have that kind of a bad experience. I know, but um, so go planning going back there. Do you, th- what comes to your mind? It, it, like, do you have bad feelings or um, about Brazil? About Brazil <clears throat> and, uh, or going back? Uh, oh, it's gonna be a nice experience. I I love the idea. Um, I think I think like most places, 
there's dangerous areas and there's dangerous yeah. places that you should probably steer from. And, and I know that. But you plan it out the right way. You go with the right people. You go to the right areas. And like I said, Brazil is a fantastic place. It's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful in so many different ways. Even so much of like the poor areas. Beautiful. Just and wonderful people. So many good people. Mm-hmm. And... And the sun's out there. That's, I mean, it's just, it's bright. It's a happy place. It's vibrant colors. There's jungle. There's, I mean, there's humidity. That gets pretty hard. <laughs> but the food is phenomenal. The people are better. And, and it's just an absolute beautiful place. It's like, it's a dream to go there. And there are some, I mean, just like we have some of our national parks and, mm-hmm. and different beautiful places you can go to, they have some absolutely incredible places. I was in a I was in a place called Interlagos and uh, and their what they were saying lakes were more like reservoirs but I remember one area I was on a split and again I got a picture of it but I got rid of the camera right like I said in the last episode but I went up there and there's this storm that's just going crazy over the water it's not over me but it's over the water and that's in one section, and you can just see that the water's going nuts. But then just a little bit over, um, there were islands out there, but just a little bit over, it was bright, sunny, happy, and people are riding sailboats all over, just colorful sailboats everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. And I'm up on this hill, and you could see houses everywhere. It was like one of the most picture-perfect places. And, I mean, mm. obviously I can't show you guys because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> But it was beautiful. Do so you, yeah. Do you feel like going back um, under different circumstances will be maybe a, a little bit healing for you from some of the harder experiences well, on your mission? Or? Well, yeah, but my problems weren't ever with Brazil. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah the people I had to deal with. Yeah. People in those higher up places, stuff. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would also, I would have to definitely get the language back down because yeah. <laughs> I won't go without being able to speak. And, and that won't be hard. It just mm-hmm. takes a lot of practice. And You have a year, so start well, practicing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, let's go. Let's go to you. So you were a convert. You um, had already had a lot of experience with missionaries going around, talking to people. Um. And then, do you think uh, when you said that before, I was curious, like, did they take you as a means like to translate or just because maybe you knew the neighborhood better or you knew the people You were like an intro introductory to certain people or why did they? Uh, No, actually, I mean, the first one, no, they had like it was an American missionary and another Brazilian one. So, okay. It was not translation. It okay. was just a way to, okay, I need to know more about the city, where to go, how to uh, meet people, how to teach people over there. You know, it's more mm-hmm. like a missionary work, not translation. But but you were going with two missionaries. Yes, I was always with them. And they used me also to go to, uh, so you cannot go, I don't know right now, but you could not go to a house with like a single woman mm-hmm. uh, just two oh, missionaries yeah. so you needed another guy oh, okay. to go there you know with them 
So they use me in lots mm. of houses that way because in Brazil, mm. uh, at least in my city, mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of single women and uh, yeah, they use me for that too. And there probably wasn't sister sister missionaries. Not at the available. moment. Not at yeah. the moment. In the future, okay. uh, some years later, we got some uh, okay. sisters there. And you said how your your parents um, were pretty supportive even though they didn't agree with you know your conversion but was it a, a kind of a different uh, situation when you were saying okay now I'm gonna go give two years of my life to I mean was there any pushback there or were they still kind of whatever you want to do I guess or what was their response <laughs> No, my parents, they were always that way, you know, they didn't try to interfere my decisions at all, like never, but they would show me, you know, okay, you're gonna stop, you're planning to go to the university right now, so you're mm -hmm. gonna stop that, pause for two years, so I was about to get a, a job in a bank, too, so you gonna stop that, they, all your plans to go on a missions, haha, I was gonna be you know mm -hmm. uh where are the benefits and stuff so but um yeah i decided to go so now i'm going i'm gonna serve for two years and that's what i'm gonna do and did they understand that you would have really limited contact with them like what was your correspondence <laughs> yeah, with they them did, it, well they were not yes it's hard to understand all of that but they accepted, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm going to call Mother's Day, I'm going to call like uh, Christmas Day, but that's it. And, would and they letters. Yeah, would they still write to you? Uh, my parents, they don't, so they would not write often. So just here and there, I remember getting like letters maybe like once or twice a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're not uh, yeah. No, even <laughs> when we, uh, now it's better because it's FaceTime. We can oh, just FaceTime yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and talk, but really short talks. I think I am the one who is always talking or asking questions and, you know, but mm -hmm. they don't talk that much. Yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> so you had other um, like members or the mission president helping you get the things that you needed. Oh, yeah, when we receive our calling, they uh, it comes with how many shirts you need, how many pair of pants, how many like shoes and stuff. So my so the mission president actually uh, helped me a lot with that. Like they had a uh, in the office. I remember they had a uh, some closet i don't know with like so many clothes like missionaries oh, are leaving and they leave stuff behind oh interesting they leave like okay. pants so they have you know used stuff sometimes new or, or whatever mm -hmm. but i got some from the mission president uh some members they gave me some stuff also um yeah and i bought some stuff so what I did, I was not working because, okay, I'm planning to go to the mission um, and helping missionaries all day long. So I, I cannot work. Mm -hmm. uh, what I did, I was washing missionaries' co uh, clothes so to get money. Oh, it, oh. yeah. So uh, they would pay like someone else to do it, but uh, then I got the job <laughs> to oh. do it so to get some money to help to buy only clothes and stuff mm -hmm. also that i need for that i needed for my mission 
Um, it, it helped a little, but not um, that much. So it was all, I think, all donations, even my, my luggage, everything, uh, all donation. I think I bought, like, maybe, sorry, what's me? <laughs> Stop clicking the <laughs> yeah, <pain> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all donation. Because they knew that your family, like, being a convert, there wasn't going to be, like, a monthly payment coming from your family. Oh, no, yeah. no, it was, like, oh... The church, you know, all the, the medical exams, all stuff I needed. It was mm-hmm. like all wow. church. Yeah. Yeah. Even I, I didn't spend a penny, so. And um, were you filling out uh, like your papers online at that point? Or no, was it? You... It was a form. And okay. Paper. Okay. Yeah. So then when you got the call, I mean, I guess what's kind of typical, uh, I don't know, Mormon culture is that that's a big deal and you open it in front of your family and it's, you know, celebrated. So what was getting your call like for you? Actually, there was like my, it was a surprise from my branch. So the president opened with other people, you know, um, but then later on, I told my family, hey, I served my calling, so I'm going to go to Sao Paulo, I served. I served in Campinas, mm-hmm. uh, Sao Paulo, and yeah, they got like, wow, are you going <laughs> so soon? Because it was only like two months later, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but then like yeah, two months later, I was going to go, I was going to a mission, serve a mission, Sao Paulo also, and then like Kari said, it was like a guy waiting at the airport. With, oh, yeah. Yeah, a sign. What was the MTC like for you? It was really fun. Like, it was the first time I was in a building with lots of teenagers, lots of young people. <laughs> yeah. It was like party all over. Sometimes <laughs> I remember there was like a guy coming at, I think it was 10 p.m. It was like a um, guard coming like on the hall. Around the MTC? Around the oh, yeah. MTC. Like, like, knocking doors if they see like some light they, hey it's time to sleep <laughs> um and i remember once we were like all in one room like 10 or 12 missionaries <laughs> it was supposed to be only like four <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we were like turning off the lights and then we were all oh, there quiet <laughs> and then once the guy like passed you know and then everyone running out of the same room like <laughs> lots of missionaries <laughs> it was it was really fun yeah it was a fun time at the, C- the mtc but um going going to the field was really hard and so even for me i was even used, knowing the language even knowing the language and everything because i used to knock doors all day long Mm -hmm. there was no one say that's my friend go there and teach him no it was like knocking doors like trying to reach some people on the streets to teach them and uh it was a really hard work Mm. so what were some of your good and bad experiences with companions uh companions i think i had like really good companions in general um my trainer, my first companion from it was he was from Idaho, and uh, he was pretty nice. But he was about to come home. He was really what we call trunk. 
Chunky. <laughs> yeah, oh, chunky. Okay. <laughs> and then he was like thinking about home all mm-hmm. the time. There was that lady who lived here in the United States for a while. Um, we would go to her house just to talk about like American stuff. Mm-hmm. Baseball or talking about like food in America or, you know, speaking English. We could not understand a word. So. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was like a conversation right. between them, and you're just and I out. was not like understanding mm-hmm. anything, um, nor doing the work that you thought you should be doing, right? Yeah, and at the moment I was like, "Come on, I need to work. <laughs> Let's go." <laughs> uh, yeah, but I had only one bad experience, not so bad. I think our personalities didn't match so well so i have like a companion brazilian one um i don't know what happened we could not get along mm. uh and i had that companion twice oh man actually so i had him in like with two transfers with me like three months mm. and then three months later i think i had him again oh. <laughs> for more like two transfers <laughs> and uh, after me he was like going home he was finishing his mission uh, and president always uh, told me like you just need to love him mm. like show you know mm. love him it's all about love uh, but yeah he went back home um, I didn't have any contact with him but then I knew through another companion that he passed away. He was actually killed some oh, wow. months later um, after his mission. Um, oh, no. He was uh, doing some job for a grocery store owner. I don't know doing what. I don't remember. But then the guy didn't pay him. He went there to, hey, I want my money. You know, I, mm. I, I worked for you, but mm. you didn't pay me. I'm waiting for that. And then the guy got upset and then just pulled a gun <gasps> and, you know. Wow. Um, he tried to run, but then the guy, I think, shot him, like, wow. his back and whatever. Um, yeah, but I was like, I think that was the only companion that I had trouble with. Yeah, the most part, they were all really nice. And, and some of them, actually, one of one of my companions live here in Sandy. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I never... Another one lives in... Vernal. Wow. <laughs> one in Vernal. Mm-hmm. Another one in Sandy. <laughs> That's crazy. Another one uh, in California, but came here to visit me like a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, most part. Did you good. also have experiences similar to Corey where you felt like... Uh, this is dangerous, or we shouldn't be here, or any anything like that. We had like bad experience, not bad experience. I, I got scared for sure because I was going to like really poor neighborhoods and stuff with lots of drug dealers and mm-hmm. you know that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It scared me a little, uh, a little bit, but I don't know. I was like. I was expecting that. I, I knew what I was going to do, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was not something that I was going to, I was going blind mm-hmm. to a place. I, I knew. You know, okay. Kind of. Yeah. So I was okay. I had m- lots of problems only like 
not like curry but i had my kidney stones and but i had problems with my shoes because again it was all donations so my clothes sometimes were too tight sometimes they were like too loose because people were bigger than me and you know that type of clothes that used clothes and my shoes they were terrible oh my god they were like so tight it would hurt a lot all day long so like nothing you had on your body was like was for me was for you fitted to you your size brand new it was all all donation used and all used all donation yeah and my my shoes they were like even my toes they were poking out oh it was it was so tight that you know pressing against and then make a a hole and then yeah wow and you had did you say a similar allowance as court yeah it was around like 30 dollars every two weeks Mm -hmm. And we had to pay also like transportation, we had to buy food, we had to, you know, all the things that we needed with that. Uh, sometimes they reimburse you, like for transportation, I don't know about your mission, and gas. gas when I talk about gas, not cars, like we use some gas for cooking. Like oh. natural gas. Oh. Natural gas, yeah. Oh, it's like wow, a container, yeah. something that you have by mm-hmm. your stove. and. Um, which is quite expensive and water everything you need to buy you had to use that money and uh, but oh, yeah, it's because you mentioned tap water you couldn't yeah use it, it's water. a whole process to get some money back it takes a while mm-hmm. so you have to have some reserved money like some savings on the side mm-hmm. just to use for that and then later on they're gonna pay you back wow you know but it's uh yeah it's, you need to talk to them hey you need to show receipts and then wait for to get that money back and then it takes mm-hmm. a we were talking about that uh, you know outside of the podcast because usually these conversations bring up whole other conversations that we can't <laughs> right. record them all but um just the the nuance i guess of being the age you are and maybe this is stuff you've never dealt with before and kind of just being thrown into you know budgeting and buying your food and figuring out how much what what you can afford where and um all those other layers on top of like missionary work and Mm -hmm. and like the num are you get are you reaching the numbers are you doing this are you doing that and you're hungry your shoes don't fit like these basic necessities mm-hmm. that just we just can't seem to cover that you know like that is just too much it's not like you know can we get you know x amount because we want to go sh- shopping this weekend or no you cannot buy anything of course not yeah but even it's just, just weird you that would the think basics that can't if, be covered. if the work is the most important thing then why are we not for sure covering all of the basics without question to make sure that is what your focus can be not oh three three members canceled their meals with us this week so now i have to make my hey i stretch that much further because those meals aren't being covered and i don't yeah. know how i'm gonna get new shoes and my pants are falling apart. I mean, like, what? It just, I don't know. Seems and, how does, like, and then it makes me wonder, how does that compare to other missions, like, based here in the U.S.? Right. Or, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it is yeah. that, what does that budget look like? Are yeah. you struggling to function, you know? Mm. Are these... Is it easier for your parents to send you 
extra money for that extra reserve when parents, you need those extra things my or... parents could not send me anything mm -hmm. well, i didn't even have like a bank account right. but some of my companions they had their personal bank accounts you know so they couldn't have mm -hmm. that extra money to buy whatever they needed i told dustin even like i remember once my my trainer was uh wanted to buy some hamburger going to a place to buy a nice hamburger and stuff it's like i cannot go there mm. if i spend that money on that hamburger that means like tomorrow i won't have any breakfast or you know for or maybe two days without breakfast to buy that because mm -hmm. you know it's expensive and i have a little money mm -hmm. and if you some member the i don't know someone cannot give us like lunch for that day sometimes we have something to eat go home and get some crackers or some bread and whatever and eat it but sometimes we just skip the meal <laughs> yeah. we don't have the money or we don't have the food we'll skip the meal mm. sometimes we rely on some people we are teaching mm -hmm. to give us food sometimes they give us food too yes yeah. th that's good but it depends on the area that you were serving mm -hmm. some areas are really good some are really bad mm -hmm. some are like you know balanced so yeah talk about because we were talking before about um how you worked you worked in the off in the mission office or whatever doing working with the finances and stuff like that yeah um so you had a little more insight to, into the budgets and how that worked can you talk a little bit about that um yeah so i don't know how much i don't remember um how much was the budget for everything that we had in the mission at the moment but it was really tight we could not do anything um for all the missionaries you know so, so how did you end up in the office in the first place uh so the 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 president uh, called us you know it's like okay so kari so you were we have been calling to serve in the office you know so then what, my assistant or to be like a financial how they call you clerk or yeah. yeah so you didn't have like a companion for that transfer or did you still have a companion with you we in the office? We still have companions in the office. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we work uh, in the office for the most part of the day. I would say like until four, I think it was three or four p.m. I don't remember really well. And then after that, we would go to the field. Oh, okay. Yeah. To do canvassing. Yeah, usually. So in my mission, we work that way. So we had like two assistants. So we have one executive clerk and a financial one. So we would be in the office and in the assistants, one of them would be our companion. But they would work together in the morning mm -hmm. in the field, and then they would come back and split with us. Oh, okay. And then go to the field again okay. to work with us. So what were your duties in the office? Uh, mostly like as I said financial stuff so I would um, be responsible to make the payments for the housing stuff I would be responsible for uh, reimburse the missionaries 
So they would come with the receipts. Hey, I bought some gas. I bought this and this and this. Mm -hmm. So I need to get that money back because it was not for food or the basics need, you know. And then I would uh, be responsible to give that money back. Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I was really tight. As I said, we could not do everything. And even my president, he would just like... Uh, I would not take the decisions. So the missionaries would think that was me, you know, yeah. denying the money. You'll say, hey, right. sorry, that, but you cannot have that money back. That's my decision. I don't have that authority. Right. So the president. You're just the messenger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he would say, hey, uh, that missionary needs money for this. But I think he really doesn't need it. So what you're going to say is you're going to say no for that person. Try to say no, say no, say no, say no. Um, but he doesn't know it's me. So it's going to be for them. You it's take the be, hit so I can yeah, be left. It's going to be your decision. Mm -hmm. I'm the leader. It's like, and he said, it was not like what I was thinking. Yeah. He said, you're not speculating. Like, yeah, he yeah, straight up no, said. Yeah, straight up said. So you can... Um, it's easier for you, you know. You can say no, and then they're gonna maybe be mad at you. But if they, they, Lovely. yeah, if they are mad at me, I am their leader, their spiritual leader. So they cannot be mad at me. That's gonna be what a bad for the work. What <laughs> were the things that he was? Say I mean, are were these like? luxuries that the missionaries were asking for reimbursements for what types of things were being turned down as saying like oh they think they need it but i'm i don't think they need it like not not really they were asking for hey i need uh, money to buy new shirts i need money to buy new shoes i need i don't have a suit my suit like the necessities yes. yeah. just, a missionary. just basic things that missionaries need you know but I don't know what I don't know what the president thought about it or if he was judging the missionaries. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know because I think in the president's mind was like, okay, maybe that missionary spent the money doing this. Now he doesn't have money to buy his clothes or so his stuff. You oh, know? he just and assumed they were yeah, mismanaging. Maybe they, yeah, maybe he assumed. I don't mm. really know. He just would come to me and say, hey, say no. Or say yes. Yes, you can give the money. No, you cannot give the money to this one. You know? Did that give you a different perspective of your mission, President? Because you had the perspective before yeah. uh, of him helping and encouraging you. Yeah, my vision then... before was more like spiritual. It was more like, I feel the Holy Ghost, all the, that good feeling, you know. Mm -hmm. But in the office... No. No. It was like the opposite <laughs> the behind the scenes. That's, yeah, that's not mission at all. That's um, about money. That's about numbers. That That's what mm. we do in the office, you know. And my president was really like, he was a businessman. Mm. And he was really, and I told you about that experience. With, it was my first week in the office. Uh, we had the meetings about... But the first meeting about like the problems in the mission and we would say oh we have this problem we need to do this 
you know. But the missionaries, they were exposing the problems, but they didn't have any solution. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But the president got upset. It was like, hey, I don't, hitting the table, I don't have time for this. I don't have time, you know, to wait for you guys to uh, give me a solution. You're just pointing what we have we have to do but give me the solution and hitting the table you know it's like but that's, <laughs> that's the training I was from scared. day one in the church is that um you you go to the authority like you go to your leaders you go to what the lord wants for you like it there's not a lot of like personal problem solving at least from from my experience, yeah, it's we like you young, seek for... We like 18, yeah. 19, we didn't Aren't know Aren't you what supposed to, do. <laughs> to go to leadership for counsel and guidance and and the, the solution? I mean, how much is in their control to resolve anyway of whatever their different issues are? And he's like, I don't have time for your problems. Bring me resolutions. Yeah, yeah. Always about mm. solution. But yeah, I remember that after that, seeing all that, I got mad at the president. Um, the president would come to my room and just try to talk to me, but I would not even like look at him. I was just mm. like facing another direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when you go to a mission president's house where like we would have the first meeting, we would have the first meeting there, right? And you'd have a lunch or whatever. And you see where they're living, and it's extremely nice. It's oh, it is fantastic. really nice. Catered meals. And, and it's different for them because there is money coming to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for them to look at you and go, mm, I don't really think he needs that money. It's pretty easy for you sitting here in that house or in your, in your, comfort, in your nice little office. Like it's, how many meals are, is the mission president and his wife missing? None, <laughs> okay. none, right? Yeah, got it. Because they can make their stuff at home, but you know that they also yeah. eat with different people too, and it's just different. So my president, they have a, a house in a really nice gated complex mm-hmm. with a pool, and a, it was like spectacular. Like they're it on vacation, like basically. Huge <laughs> it was like a nice car. They had a, two nice cars, one for the sister, another one for the president. Uh, yeah, and they had also like um, a person there to cook and clean the house and do everything. Wow. So they would not um, do anything. Um, yeah. So you know, you're seeing, nice you're seeing <laughs> all of this and then sitting in the office telling the missionaries, no, you don't need gas to cook your food. No, you don't need... You're, we're not reimbursing you for shoes. We're not reimbursing you for shirts. So what did that do like for you? For Look, at the moment, I was not thinking about it. Mm. The only thing you see is that's my leader. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow him blindly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't judge. Mm-hmm. I think my leader deserved the best. And you don't think about that. You don't think about how that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to live that way? Why do I have to, you know, eat so little? And they have access to that, like, huge house with a pool and everything with, like, you know, 
all the things I, I don't know I, I didn't think about it nowadays I think about it I, I can see that <laughs> but yeah in the past no I was like mm. yes yes let's do it yes for sure mm. whatever you want you know and yeah no which which for to kind of feed into that a little bit the uh, when I had my kidney stone and I'm stuck in the hospital that night and I'm feeling terrible and there were even some issues that went on that night my companion so that he didn't have to spend the night in a hospital either because it would have been so hard to just you know lay on the couch right there with me Mm -hmm. just throughout the night Mm -hmm. he got to go back to the mission president's house and they had a big fancy dinner and then the next morning he came back to me and he's like dude they made me waffles and bacon and sausage Mm. and all this stuff and i'm sitting in the hospital like yeah i just got my catheter ripped out that's fun (laughs) yeah Yeah, we had uh so he would take us to some rodizio of meat sometimes yeah a fancy restaurant so we would go there like once a month Mm. but it would be like his money just you or all the missionaries no not all the missionaries, the office ones. Just the ones that work oh, in the office. Just four yeah. of us. And and it was it did you ever feel like here's your reward for being the punching bag? <laughs> <laughs> he clearly said that actually. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I mean I got used to his way, you know, and yeah, we were together for a long time. I think I stayed in the office for five transfers. Five or six transfers. Wow. Um yeah. Was there is there anything else you noticed in the office or anything else you wanted to speak to about that before we move on? Um, not really. It was like besides that, there were like good experiences like going um spending the last day with missionaries going home mm. i think it was a nice experience and uh, getting all the missionaries the new ones coming to the mm. office and going with them to the the president house and uh those two moments i think they were the spiritual moments that you oh. could feel like new people come in mm-hmm. and all fresh and mm-hmm. new new clothes and stuff and Excited. you see like people going out all with like rich <laughs> like shirts and shoes and take out taking out everything it's like, like I'm they've going just home. been to war <laughs> yeah. <they're> going home. <laughs> yeah it was fun i didn't have any super bad experiences in um my mission but i i had like one scary and another one funny one that i really remember it was really cool one was like um they called babble bible battle or whatever bible bash bible bash i think they call that bible bash mm-hmm. and then uh there was that my comp i was it was not actually my companion i was with another uh missionary and <laughs> So he was Bible bashing with that guy on his so house. Is that what it's called? Is what? that where you like get into a spiritual like argument? Like argument. Debate. Yeah, you, debate. You start stuff. giving each other Bible yeah. verses to like. So we knocked um, to, we knocked the, the door the and then <laughs> we start talking about the gospel. The guy didn't agree mm-hmm. with the, te- the church teachings and whatever. And then they start arguing, you know. Mm-hmm. The guy got really, really mad. He went like back inside. And uh, my companion was like, I think we should go. I was like, yeah, sure, because that guy is so mad. And he went <laughs> went inside and left the door open, you know. And we went 
walking down the street and then we looked back and then the guy was there like far away we could see like on the sun like something sparkly like shiny metal oh. in his hands he started like running <gasps> like to catch us like, in the street i don't know what he had in his hand but it's not like we you kept, stood there to, no, like no, what is we that kept, like running too and the guy was running running and we were running oh like it was super scary finally got away <laughs> yeah <Wow. laughs> we got wow. away i think he still wants to talk to us <laughs> yeah. yeah let's go back yeah Another one of, that I remember, that one is going to be a little bit gross, I think, but <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Uh, so there yeah, was like, I it. was, we were teaching um, that lady and two daughters, I think, and one son, a boyfriend, I don't remember really well. It was like a family of four people. And then they have like, um, so they have like a kitchen like here and then the bathroom over there really close to the kitchen is really like is common to find that in brazil mm. like, like an open kitchen, kitchen and then a bathroom, and a bathroom off to the over side. there okay. really close and then i needed to use the bathroom really bad <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so what happened is like i did use really well <laughs> But then they could hear all the noise from the living <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oops, oops, sorry. And then I would go back there, right? But then when I tried to flush, it didn't <gasps> work. It's just like oh, water. Gross. I was like, ah. Oh. And I was trying to use toilet paper and everything to clean, to put everything to, you know. It was like taking a while there. And then uh, finally it was okay, but then when I tried to open the door, I could not. It was locked. It was like I don't know what happened. I could not open the door. So the only way was <laughs> yell for help, like asking <laughs> for help. And then they they came actually to to try to open the door. They couldn't. Um, so they had to break it in. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow, okay. Their own bathroom door. They it was make. like a whole operation that night to get wow. me out of it. all the flushing, all the noises, all the everything happening at the same time. It was really it was wow. a really fun experience. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have this question for both of you. What do you feel like gave you the most support and encouragement while you were out? Like, what do you think kept you going? What motivated you? What lifted you? I think my, I, I think I, my testimony, I would say, mm -hmm. it was only that because no one was there like to, I mean, the leaders for sure, right? Every time that, I met with my president or my district leader or my zone leader or whatever, they will like try to lift you up. Hey, keep going, we're doing a nice job or whatever. That's mm -hmm. the job of Lord's work. And um, But I would say like, yeah, they fed me. Mm -hmm. And then I kept going with work. And 
they you've... fed you spiritually. Yeah, you spiritually. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they weren't feeding food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I was skinny, but I got even skinny. <laughs> so, do you feel like the encouragement you got from leadership was generally positive? Yes, I would say yes in general. Mm-hmm. Yes. What about you, Corey? <laughs> yeah, it's probably my testimony because I mean I was a pretty strong believer at the time and I I pushed forward a lot that way but that's that's kind of who I am I just keep kind of going but mm-hmm. at the same time you guys heard my stories about some of the neglect and whatnot and I didn't feel like I really had that much support from leaders and uh, I didn't agree with their, with their number game so mm-hmm. It was more, I think, just trying to continue to go through because you do end up loving the people. You mm-hmm. really do. You really want the absolute best for them. And at the time, what you're doing, you really feel like that is the absolute best and that everybody needs it. So you fight through it and you just keep going because of, of them. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of struggles that go that go with it. I guess when you um, think about being in those interviews with your mission president, um, I guess if you could replace him with the Savior, your understanding of the Savior, how different do you think those interviews would have gone if you were if you were being held accountable directly to Christ as to your interactions with um, the people? Do you think that those interviews would have gone a lot different than what what you experienced? Definitely. Because he would at least understand what you're going through and there would be different levels of sympathy yet compassion and possible healing, obviously, I believe, you know. But I don't think I think he would have seen souls, not numbers. Mm-hmm. And I, I really struggled with that myself. So I don't like their number game. Yeah. No. What about you, Max? Do you want to speak to that at all? I think my I always try to do everything by myself, you know, not relying on anyone. Mm-hmm. So gladly I didn't have any really serious like health issue mm-hmm. in my mission like Carrie did. Um, but yes, I never had any problems. I, I was like the golden child, <laughs> doing everything right, no mm-hmm. problems, just obeying. So mm-hmm. that's why I didn't have any problems, you know. Um, yeah. it was all good. So they always like, um, would just read my reviews and let we would send like a letter to the president every week, every like P day. We would like, um, preparation day we would send a letter to the president what is happening why are you feeling uh, you know mm-hmm. and yes it was all good about me at least i tried to you know um do everything good so i was not i i know that i had lots of stuff that i needed but i didn't want to use the church money um mm-hmm. you know to benefit me somehow, mm. but I don't know. I, I thought that way, you know. No, I'm not gonna spend the money. Yeah, like there's so, a sense of guilt for getting yeah to get shoes for, that fit yes, your feet for using <laughs> yeah for use 
but there <laughs> is there is you don't yeah. want to use that money you know because it should that be going money, to others needs because you think yeah that money can be helping survive. someone else you know mm-hmm. not me I, i can deal with that i can do that mm-hmm. why, you know? yeah i guess my um my ending questions really for both of you is just How do you feel like your each of your mission experiences impacted your testimony for better or worse? And then how do you reflect now, today, um, when you look back, how, how do you reflect on your mission now? I think I had a really good experience, actually, like in my mission. For sure, we had that stuff like seeing all the financial stuff and problems like happening missionaries try to run away without their passports because <laughs> we have the passports in the office wow. but we had some runaways mm-hmm. in my mission too um some people trying to go to the airport and fly home and whatever but uh, we see all that bad stuff happening you know but why why we, we don't question you know mm-hmm. at the moment So, but I think it was all good. I had like good experiences. I had like my testimony like grew actually there. It was like developed and it was a really good moment. Good experiences in general, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. And then how do you like view it today? View or? it today, yeah. Yeah, but then coming back home, it was a challenge because you have to adapt now again mm-hmm. to Assimilate real back life, into regular life to work and it's a struggle it's really bad mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back home and try to adapt again mm-hmm. you know to all that stuff not touching like ladies not being like by yourself you always have mm-hmm. someone with you um all that stuff that you need to kind of relearn you know mm-hmm. um and for sure after my mission after years later Uh, my struggle with uh, sexuality and stuff so that's what uh, put me like out of the church you know mm-hmm. but uh, my mission was a really good experience and uh, my life in church and serving in general was uh, really good I-, i think so yeah awesome what about you Corey? how would you answer those questions um it affected my testimony a lot because I have a harder time displacing what what people do with kind of like the spiritual side because you know for me it was a like I said it was a numbers game they were always concerned about how many lessons you taught or how many people you talked to and what happened with those numbers not hey Tell us about this individual. Tell us about what's mm-hmm. going on with these people. What do you what do you find in with the people? How can we help with the people? How can we serve the people? It was always it was always just numbers, numbers, numbers. And then even when I talked to my district and zone leaders, it was always numbers. Everything was numbers. And that drove me nuts because you're there in this Yeah, wonderful, beautiful place with amazing people. And everybody just keeps asking you about numbers, mm-hmm. but you're like concerned with them, you know. 
And so I think it really did affect my testimony a lot. And then the neglect that I had over medical stuff, which is it's a serious thing. It really, it really screwed me up for mm-hmm. a while. And, uh, and honestly, it just never really, church-wise, it was never really the same from when I, from before I went out mm-hmm. to like how strong I was in the church. It was never the same after, mm-hmm. and and I struggle with it. So, so what was it like coming home for you outside of you know finally getting to an American hospital and all of that? But like what Max was speaking to, as far as kind of reacclimating to day to day. No, I, I dove right back in because it was just like, well, this is life now, and I got to get going on it, and mm-hmm. I gotta you do realize that you missed out on two years of potential college or some other kind of learning experience, whether it's like a trade or whatever, like you're, you're two years behind, but realistically we could talk almost like four years behind because you, you take out the two years that you go in the mission, then you have the year to reacclimate, you know, and then you have the whole year to try and figure out, what you're going to do with your life mm-hmm. and potentially you're four years behind. And with all that, with the pressure of like, go home and get married, go right? home, get married, yeah. <clears throat> keep serving in the church, keep doing whatever. And, uh, and, but then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, but you need to provide for this family, but you mm-hmm. have no training, you have no mm-hmm. degree, you have no whatever. Yeah. And yet you still see struggles with the, uh, Leadership. So I don't know. So how do you reflect on it now? What are um, your thoughts and feelings when you look back on your mission now? I mean, I think in a lot of ways it was a good experience. And I think it taught me... I think it taught me a lot of patience. A lot of patience. I definitely had way more when I came off my mission. Bang. Um, but like... I don't know. And it taught me a lot about life and dealing with myself on my own. But like, would I, would I ever choose to do it again? No, I wouldn't do it again. But my, my experience wasn't quite like, <laughs> like Max's. <laughs> Max, yeah. so. But yet, beautiful place. I would go back in a heartbeat. I would love it. And I feel like I would do anything for the people that were over there that I met. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't just go serve again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked my mission, but I would not serve a mission again. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, that's that's enough. Go Two together. years is more than enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any ending questions, anybody? I don't. For me, it's I, I never went on a mission. I never met, made it to that point uh, in the church. Um, so mostly it's just listening to, you know, different Different. things. It's been interesting to hear, you know, more nitty, like whatever you want to call it, nitty gritty or behind the scenes or whatever, the struggles that people deal with as opposed to like, you know, the baptisms and the, yeah, all the happy, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. There's like this um, almost like, uh, I don't know, 
positive, faithful, dreamy sense of, uh, you know, and then there's like the day-to-day missing meals, not having shoes that fit, not getting medical help, um, you know, different struggles like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff like, like Dusty said earlier, where nowadays with my kind of personality, if I had some of those issues that I was having medical-wise and I was dealing with them right now and someone was like, get back out there and get to work part of me is almost like i think we're actually gonna sit right here and we're gonna figure this <laughs> out and figure out how to get me yeah. back to uh, a good level yeah. and then we can kind of think about how we're gonna get back to everything else but i'm not just gonna yeah i'm not gonna continue on with this problem and and i have i've gotten to a level where i can sorry speak my mind now mm-hmm. and speak my peace and i definitely didn't have that before it was very much a conform and just follow what you're being told to do submit yeah and i struggled with it a lot so Mm -hmm. well thank you guys for coming on and sharing your different stories about your mission it's been really interesting and i'm really excited to have each of you back and talk about your own personal life stories and hear a lot more about other aspects of your life and um yeah, I have a lot of questions for both of you with that too. So it's been a it's been a good topic. I'm glad we did it. Thanks for coming on and sharing. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to hearing from both of you more in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in, you guys. Um, be sure to follow, rate, review. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and um, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Max. Mm -hmm. See you next time.